The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, October 30th, 2023. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. With me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Elaine. Wow, what a beautiful day it is here in Sonoma County. It looks like it, it looked like it just might rain. You know, here we are the day before Halloween, and we're going to be doing a very special Halloween show, and I'm so excited about this. Uh, joining me in the studio is a dear, dear friend, Nikki Doan, and we will be talking about Halloween, its meaning, its rituals, the witches, and the holidays that follow ha- Halloween, which I found extremely interesting. And Nikki is a very good friend of mine, and she knows a lot about Halloween and witches. And also, it's very interesting, uh, Nikki advised me that she was a student of Pamahansa Yogananda, and we were we are so blessed because Ken brought in a special signed copy of his book, uh, Diary of a Yoga, and I'll tell you, Nikki was so excited, and I'm excited about having her. Well, this is the last show of the month, and you know, uh, where did October go? I mean, I had to scratch my head. I asked Ken, what do we do in October? I just went to, I felt like I was asleep and time just flew by. Well, we're going to be doing the Women's Spaces Pledge like we do at the last Monday of the month, every month. Well, I want to send out condolences and also I want to sh- do a shout out to my dear friend, uh, Randolph Hurley, uh, to say hello to him. Hi, Randy. I hope you're feeling better. And the, the, the announcement I want to make, I don't know what I want to call it, is I want to send my condolences out to a, a dear friend of Randy's and also a, a friend of, uh, of Ken's. There's uh, a, ge- a gentleman named Gil Levy. He's also known as Goa Gill. And he, he made his transition, and I want to send my condolences out to all his friends and family. And what's really interesting, what I found interesting when I read, his, uh, when I read, read about him, he really was the one who promoted dance, especially these kind of these trance dances. And what he said, since the beginning of time, mankind has used music and dance to commune with the spirit of nature and the spirit of the universe. Well, rest in peace, Goa Bill. I know you're up there dancing and watching over all of us. It's always so sad when we lose a friend, you know. But, you know, we're, we're at that age. We're at that age where people are passing away. And, you know, it's very important to recognize that, you know, life is not forever. You know, and when we're getting older, we want to do certain things, and sometimes we never get them done. So I've been looking at that very closely as I see various friends leaving me and trying to write my my memoirs. Well, on a real happy note, this weekend, Ken and I had fun at our two-year-old great-granddaughter's her name is Kaya Sierra, second birthday. Oh, what a great name, Kaya, Kaya Sierra. I can't believe that I am a great great grandmother to these two beautiful girls. You know, the, my second grand, the older one, is called Satori Trinity. And, the, and I was driving in the car the other day because Elaine means light. And all of a sudden I said to Ken, I says, Ken, isn't that interesting that we have a great granddaughter named Satori Trinity? I mean, that's a pretty powerful name. Well, back to Kaya. 
Micaiah's too. She was born on November 7th, and I would wish the two happy birthdays. It was so fun having a birthday party with a Halloween theme. I mean, Ken actually, Ken actually uh, carved a pumpkin with a third eye, which I thought was pretty clever. <laughs> but it was a wonderful, a wonderful gathering, and I want to thank my, my grandson, Ryan, and his wife, Amber, for always pulling the family together and having a wonderful party in their beautiful, beautiful land. It just it was just an amazing event. Well, I am beyond the pale about this one. You know, as I've been talking about Marianne Williamson, you know, I interviewed her once, and then I kind of said she was going to be here November 20th, and then I said I don't know if she's going to be well. We confirmed it. I'm excited to announce that on November 20, mark your calendar. And it's so interesting. It's my mother's birthday. You know, I, I always my mother had passed away about thirty years ago, but it's just it's so interesting that this should be falling on her birthday, November twentieth. My mother was a true Scorpio, right on the edge of it, but she was my mother was a true Scorpio. So anyway, just to let you know that on November twentieth, the National Organization for Women, the Snow the Sonoma County Chapter, will be hosting a special Zoom featuring spiritual teacher, and she's actually one of the candidates for president this year, Mary Ann Williamson. And I'm gonna I'm going to interview her. We'll be talking about her spiritual journey and ideas of some of the solutions for some of the issues that we are having. I believe she is well worth listening to. And you can find all the information about the Zoom on www.womenspaces.com. And you can also go on now Sonoma County Chapter Facebook page. It, it's not on quite yet, but it will be on. But mark your calendars November 20th. I want to see at least 100 people to listen to this woman. And it's really interesting. I was at a dinner, and I was talking about her, and somebody called me a woohoo believer. And I thought, a woohoo believer? Hmm. Well, I am a little woohoo every once in a while. But, no, you know, Marianne Williamson has a very specific message that I really believe that we have to look at. You know, when you when you think of it, like right now, we're, I mean, look what happened in the Middle East. I mean, this is the Holy Land, folks. This is the Holy Land. This is where supposedly the Prince of Peace, Jesus, roamed and, and all the different historical Moses and all that other stuff. They call it the Holy Land. And look what they're doing to one another. I mean, the Prince of Peace, love your neighbor as yourself. The Palestinians and the Israelis are neighbors. Why aren't they getting to know each other? Why are they warring? I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. And who gets caught in the middle of all this? Women and children. So I think it's very important that we start looking at this. And I think that Mary Ann Williamson has some really concrete ideas. And I don't believe she has any expectation of of winning for president. But her message is extremely important. And... Someone might say, well, why do you believe it? It sounds so woohoo. Oh, really? Well, it's okay to war and kill each other, but we're not going to listen to someone that has something that's, oh, they're woohoo. Let's put labels on them. Like they call you a socialist if you believe in Medicare. Let's put a label on it. You know, they call you a communist if you're anti-war. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. We're human beings. We're all living on a planet. We have got to learn to live together. Very, very important. You know, another thing, you know, when I think about this, when we start thinking about this, you know, you you probably think, oh, Elaine, you're just a big woohoo, or what do you know, you know, all this spiritual stuff. Well, you know, at least 18 people are dead, and 13 others are injuring after a shooting at a bar in Bowley Alley in Lewiston, Maine. And guess what? They were killed by an ex-Marine. 
who had already been who had been mentally having problems mentally having all kinds of different things they actually they actually put him into an institution and then let him out no record of that happening no way to do a gun check on that and god only knows what was going on in his mind i mean i don't think anybody wants to literally go out and kill 18 people unless there's something going on in their mind that we need to understand and that we need to support and why wasn't anybody paying attention and then we're fighting like dogs to get background checks on these guns. I mean, I don't understand what is going on. And my theory is, is that somehow we're so invested in guns and, and, and terror and, and, and destruction that that's where our minds are going. And we have to change our minds. We have to go from a fear-based humanity to a love-based humanity. And that's going to take a long time. But we all have to work on it. And the person who, who, who killed them was called Robert Cord. He was 40. And he, like I said, he was an ex-Marine. And he was, already, he was already put into an institution. And they let him go. And there was no record of it. No way they could check it out. So there's a lot to think about, folks. And we need to start thinking. And that's why every Monday... We do our history is is our strength. Now, why? Just think about why do we do this every Monday? Because when we're looking at other people and what they've done, we are standing on the shoulders of these women, and these women were doing things in times where women didn't even have the vote, and we're standing on the shoulders of those women who went to the line and said, "No, we deserve a vote," and get, put their lives on the line. You know, people, women were put in jail; they were waterboarded. All kinds of things happen. Men were not eager to give up the vote. I mean, can you believe that? Here we are, the ones who bring forward life. We bring forward the children. We nurture them with our breasts, and we're the ones who can't vote. Think about that for a while. But these women, when we talk about our history is our strength, these women, they know exactly what they are doing. I think that might be Heather, Ken. We might look at that. We might have somebody calling in the phone here. Well, here's our history is our strength. I do this every month. October 30th, 1896. Now, you know, this woman, they were nowhere near the vote. I mean, if any, they're oppressed. They were oppressed then. It was Ruth Gordon. She was the actor, one of the lowest boys in Peter Pan. Uh-uh. Sorry about that. Our history is our strength. On October 30th, 1896, she made her transition in 1985, and that was Ruth Gordon. And she was one of the lost boys in Peter Pan, you know, and with Garrison Kane, she uh, she wrote comedies for Hepburn and Tracy in movies and starred as Dolly Level in The Matchmaker in 1954, which is kind of like a, a it was like a Jewish play. It was more like, uh, it was more like Fiddler on the Roof, and this happened in 1954. But she made a real impact. In fact, she, at one point, I can't remember the name of the movie, but she played an older woman that had a relationship with a younger man, and it was so interesting to see that. But Ruth Gordon, she was one of my favorite actors. And then there was a, another person, and you know, I, I, was very, I was a little bit shocked when I found this out. This was really, really interesting. This person was born October 31st, 1860, made her transition in 1927. Well, this was just seven years. She died seven years after we got the vote. So it, well, it, we got the vote in 1920, and she was born in 1927. That was Lolette 
Lowe. She was the founder and first president of the Girl Scouts of the United States. And it's really interesting. You know, I never really, you know, the Girl Scouts was never anything that was in my mind. But when I found the history of it, it says from, listen, listen, this, this is so interesting. At the time when the Girl Scouts was started, from 18 girls in Savannah to a global movement to make a difference, blazing trails and redefining what's possible for girls everywhere. The girls Scouts have been true to this since 1912. So that's eight years before we even got the vote. They were telling them, telling votes. At the time when women in the United States couldn't vote and were expected to stick to strict social norms, encouraging girls at that time was very unusual. So happy birthday to Juliette Lowe. And I really appreciate, after I read this and I saw what the main intent, the beginning intent for the Girl Scouts was, was to encourage women, to get them to stand out, to not to be afraid to climb, to jump, and to do all the things that they needed to do. And that was in ninth, that, that happened in 1912. Amazing, amazing. You really have to recognize what, I, I, can, I can just imagine the clout. That she experienced. I mean, whoa, what are you, all of a sudden you're telling women they have to speak out for themselves? Give me a break. Well, you know, we're going to do the pledge today. And the pledge, the whole purpose of the pledge, the whole purpose of the pledge is to get women to stand up and to have courage to say enough is enough. No more wars. We want Medicare for our children. We want good schools. We want housing for everybody. You know, what, what always mystifies me is here with the conflict in Israel and Palestine, instead of sending peacemakers, they send guns. And all of a sudden we have billions of dollars for these weapons. But yet when it comes to medical, when it comes to school, when it comes to all kinds of things, all of a sudden there's no money. And what's attached to that? Who do these people think? They're entitled? Well, yes, we are entitled to that. We are all children of the earth. Every every dime of profit comes from the earth, and we all have to share. Uh-uh, Elaine, you're, you're talking like a socialist. Well, I'm not a socialist. I'm a humanist. I believe in human beings. I believe that there is a way that we can come together. And when I start looking at when I do the history of ourselves, I think this is amazing because I came across October 31st. She was born in 1896 and made her transition in 1977. Ethel Waters. She recorded more than 250 sides after her after she came out, you know, after she sang the first time in 1921. She was an unsuppressed vocalist and stylist with perfect pitch. Not only that, she was also an activist. And she became the first African American woman to integrate party uh, Broadway, that's in New York, when composer Irving Berlin, Irving Berlin rewarded Waters with a starring role in the Broadway musical as Thousands Cheer. Amazing. And she was definitely a civil rights person. Definitely walked with Dr. King during protests and all kinds of different things. Well, Ethel, you did a good job. Thank you so much. Ethel Waters. Amazing. Well, that's a lot. That's a lot to think about. That really is. That's a lot to think about with these women. I mean, especially the Girl Scout. You know, I was just thinking at that time when I found out that this was just to get women to speak out, to give girls more of an experience, more of an adventure. And I thought to myself, boy, what courage that took at that time. 
you know, the, that's what we have to do. We have to be courageous. And now we're going to do the Women's Bases Pledge. And, you know, I do this once a month, you know, and I, I got to tell you a funny joke. I don't know if it's a joke, but I give these little cards out with the pledge. And I went and I ordered them. I ordered them from Staples here in Santa Rosa. And I, I asked, I called her up, and I have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful woman, Larissa, that works with me. And I said, Larissa, I said, you know, I've been ordering these uh, these cards for the past five years. You know, how many have I ordered? Well, it turns out I ordered seven thousand of them when I was making when I was making my renewal, and I thought to myself, I gave out seven thousand of those cards. Well. I'm going to tell you something. My family sometimes kids me. They call me a Yenta, and I'm telling you, I am a Yenta. Anybody that can walk up to 7,000 people and, and hand them a card and tell them to watch your radio pro or listen to the radio show is definitely, definitely a a, a Yenta. Well, we're going to take, uh, we're going to do the pledge now. And so I have Nikki and Nikki Down in the, in the studio, and I also have Ken with me. Will you guys please join me? And I'm going to say the pledge, and then you just repeat after me, and then we'll say it together. Okay, I'm going to say the first line, and then you just repeat after me. My self esteem. My self-esteem, My self-esteem does not depend, does not depend on anything, on anything outside of me. Outside of me. Wow, that sounds so powerful. My self-esteem, my self-esteem depends, depends on my relationship, on my relationship with myself, with myself and my higher power. And my higher power. Wow. That just gives me a chill up my spine. I read that pledge five times. Say it in my mind as I'm driving to the, to the studio because it really helps me get out of myself. So I'm going to just – let me just say it once and then we'll say it together. So just listen to this out there. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. In other words, nobody's judging you. You have to judge yourself. You have to find who you are as a person. My self-esteem depends on my relations with myself and my higher power. Well, you know something, when you think of higher power, you know, I fell. I fell twice. I can't believe it. I fell twice within a week. And both times I landed on a soft bed. Both times, I'm telling you, when I analyzed the, the fall, I should not be on this radio show this morning. But by the grace of a higher power, a great spirit, whatever, the great woohoo, whatever you want to call it, something somehow made my mind sharp enough where when I fell, I fell soft. Although I have to say that I was a dancer. I used to dance before I started having a problem walking. And when I fell, when I fell out, uh, from my porch, it was a, all of a sudden I had the vision of when I was dancing Afro-Haitian and I was able to turn, I was able to turn my body and do a soft, a soft fall. And I think a lot of that has to do because I do the pledge and also because I read. There's a great book I'm reading from Unity, Change Your Mind, Change Your Life. And I've been working on changing your mind and I did. I changed my mind. I decided not to kill myself. I decided to fall in a soft fall. And I am forever grateful. And I attribute it to this, to this beautiful pledge that I did for my grandson when he was about seven years old. And here it is. What, he's 35 now. We've been saying that pledge in our family for all these years. And it's just amazing. It's an amazing experience. Okay, so let's say the pledge together. Okay, we go one, two. I'm going to be like a conductor. One, two, 
three. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. Wow, guys, that felt really good. That felt that that. That's good. That makes us feel good. And use that self-esteem because the next song, we're going to take a musical break. And the song I'm going to sing is Blowing in the Wind, sung by the Seekers. It's a Bob Dylan song. The reason I chose that song is because war is not the answer. And it's just blowing in the wind that there's got to be a way to find peace. And it's also how many wars do we have to have? How many shootings do we have to have before we have gun control? How many people? 8,000. 8,000 Palestinians have been killed in that war that's happening right now. And what happened with the Israelis, what they did at that, at that concert, I mean, there is no, you know, there's no, there's no justification for terror. And I have come to the conclusion that I refuse to take a side because when you take a side, that means you want to get revenge. The time for revenge is over. You know, we have enough nuclear power now to blow the earth off the planet to get rid of it in the universe, to just split it up in in little particles with all of us floating for a second or two. We have to start thinking about what we are doing and Bob Dylan, this was written in the 60s. We, look, at this is here 2023. You know, what is stopping us from having peace? The only thing I can think of it is war might just, just this is just a hint that's coming on to me. War just might be profitable. You know, it might be someone's making a lot of money around these wars. And we really have to look at those things. Well... I'm going to get off my soap opera, and we are going to take a musical break. We're going to sing. We're going to play Blowing in the Wind, sung by the Seekers. And when we come back, I will be in conversation with my dear friend, Nikki Doan. And we'll be talking about Halloween, its history, its rituals, its rituals, and important in today's world. Anyway, let's go ahead.
medicine, how many women turn their heads and pretend they just do not see. We have to see our children are going to be affected. You know, I always I believe very strongly if it could happen to one woman's child, it could happen to any child. If there's war over there, what's going to stop it from coming over here? We have to learn and find the answer to living in peace. And that is a real struggle. Well, for you just joining, I want to remind my listeners, the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, the board of directors, its members, and women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces. And without further ado, I want to introduce my guest. Joining me in the studio, Nikki Doan, a dear friend who let me know we are both white witches. And when I say white witches, it is not a discriminatory thing. A witch is a witch is a witch. A white witch is kind of like an enlightened witch. And so it, it doesn't matter color, religion, background. A white witch is a white witch. And I don't know, we're going to talk about the different witches, but I don't want people to get that idea that all of a sudden, oh, you've got to be not a woman of color. You know, it's, a, it's bad enough that what happened with the whole women's movement, that that was an issue. But no, when it comes to, when it comes to this kind of thing, that's what we're talking about. And I just want to clarify that. So welcome, Nikki. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Oh, thank you, Elaine. It's really great to be here. And I'm just having so much fun watching you in your element here, um, you know, creating change for women and um, for support for every all of us. So you like my pink headphones? It's the right color. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I hope it's okay. Let me tell our listeners a little bit about you. Is that okay, Nikki? Sure, sure. You know, Nikki and I, we, we've been, we've known each other for a few years, and it was really amazing when I got her, when I got her, uh, her bio from me, and if I just, it was just amazing. Anyway, Nikki was, was born a witch, uh, though she would not be identified with that until until recently through a very organic process of pursuing what appealed to be which, which helped her gain uh, an understanding of many things that that together go to defining what we think of today as witchcraft she believes that most women and some men are naturally inclined in these ways of healing wisdom nurturing community creating wonderment and empowerment even though they may not think of themselves as witches perhaps because of the you know prevalence of age-old stigma and uh, misinformation remember they used to burn they burn witches at the stake i mean that that in itself as a young woman as a teenager she was drawn to the ouija board which i soon learned which she soon learned was driven by a power of thought and influenced by anyone messing around with it she then began to learn about astrology and de, uh, did professional uh, did a long study and professional practice for many years. Dick, Nikki continued her studies and included the Chinese oracle, the I Ching, Eastern religions in her early 20s and became a long-life devotee of Yogananda who wrote the autobiography of yoga. And like I said, we brought in our signed copy from, from Pamahansa Yogananda, which really Nikki really enjoyed. Uh, she earned a master's degree in humanistic and transpersonal psychology from Saybrook uh, Graduate School, which she pursued 
to augment her astrology practice, which has been psychological and geared towards revolutionary personal growth on all levels. Today, we will explore Halloween, the traditions and history, and Nikki believes this is a coming out as she is now willing to share her experiences and wisdom with us today. And a little secret, this is the first time in front of a mic, and we love virgins. Oh, no. So welcome, Nikki. You're so persuasive, aren't you? Yes. Well, I'm really happy to have you with us. Is there anything else mm-hmm. you'd like to add from your bio? This is probably a very extensive bio. I mean, I only I cut it I cut it to a four. Well, gosh, yeah. I mean, you add 71 years together, and you know, there's a long list of um, things that we do in our lives, and and uh, all uh, many of them pertain to witchcraft, which is, uh, you know, interestingly, I didn't want to label myself, but it does, you know adequately cover most of the things that I've been doing most all my life. Well, you know, yeah. tomorrow we're going to sell Halloween and one of the one of the traditions is the witch on the broom and all those other wonderful things, those images. I mean, I just posted a, a picture of my great-granddaughter uh, Kaya dressed as a witch with a hat, you know, all little stars on her dress. Yeah. So talk about, you know, October 31st of each year, we combine religion, vanity, and a tradition. So, you know, tell us a little bit about what do you know about Halloween and what do you feel What do you feel is important about the holiday? Well, I think the majority of my life I've celebrated Halloween here in the West as kind of a secular tradition, you know, where we have our, our fun times, basically. Um, and uh, its association with with witches, in large part, comes from the 15th century and the witch trials and the you know persecution of witches and their identification with um, the devil supposedly, which actually is completely inaccurate because most of them were women who practiced uh, herbology and healing and were wise. Um, <laughs> um, so there, there was no evil association, for, you know, around that. But it carries through yet today, you know, into Halloween. So it's, um, I think, interesting to talk about how witchcraft is practiced more recently. Um, it's very different. Well, you know, with, with Halloween, you know, Halloween is known as, uh, you know, Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, All Saints' Eve, and it's a celebration observed in many com- uh, countries on, on the 31st of October. And, you know, there's so many traditions involved with it. You know, so when you're talking about witches, I know we talked, we said about that you consider yourself a white witch, which means it's kind of like, like the white light, like the, the you know, it's kind of the a more kind of evolved, you know, a more loving, you know, more expansive. That's how I think about it. But there are other levels of which. Why don't you kind of explain that? You told me there were one or two that you mentioned. Well, actually, you know, the white witchcraft is just a super general term, and it's it's just to create a distinction. Um, It's a benevolent counterpart to malicious black magic, which might be used to to the detriment of other people, might be considered evil. So I think that most people who identify as witches these days do consider themselves to be white witches. Um, but I, because of the, the prevalence of the associations with the past, I think it's really important to put that out there um, and, like you say, there are just so many other kinds of witches um, 
for instance, I myself have been a solitary witch. I haven't identified with a group of women until more recently in the past 10 or 12 years. And and your pledge says it all, you know, because um, I've wanted to nurture and keep my relationship with my higher power you know, divorced from influences um, in our culture that like to take control. And um, so in the interest of, of, you know, honoring myself, I've kept those things that I do and that I believe kind of um, private. But so I've dabbled in a variety of forms of um, witchcraft, gardens, herbology, even kitchen witches. And there's just... um, why, why, why do you think they were burned in a stake? What do you think was happening? What was? I mean, it was horrible. I mean, they had this, this. I mean, there were hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of women put, yeah. to, put into burning. Like yeah, that. yeah. I mean, it really came from the church and the, you know, who found that pagans' um, belief system was not in alignment with the church, and it was, it felt apparently to them as a threat, and this was their way of uh, scapegoating. Um, the pagan religion and the pagan belief system that had been around for thousands of years, more than likely. and But also the idea of picking women, you know, because mm-hmm. women are that we bring forward the life. And I believe yes. it was, I believe it was, it was uh, women who did herbs, for example, women who maybe, uh, you know, danced around cauldrons, you know, at night. I mean, things that we do today. Yes. That nobody even thinks of anything of, but then they would go in front of the great, whatever they, they called them, the great, you know, whatever whoever was judging him, and it was judged by man. And that's the problem, isn't it? It really is a a reflection today. A lot of the Wiccan traditions are um, matriarchal, and they're in in reaction to the patriarchy that has been around and and was very prominent then during the witch trials and um, burning at the stake. So... Um, it, it, a lot of the the modern Wiccan tradition evolved actually in the 1970s out of the women's liberation movement and um, goddess worship, um, consciousness raising. Uh, it's, it's right down your alley, Elaine. Well, it happened. We, we got caught up in it. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, when I, I went back to school when I was 30 years old, and, you know, my identity was, you know, I was blonde, I was buxom, I was pretty, you know, my mother thought I should marry a doctor. And here I went back to school and when I was 30 in 1970, right in the height of the Vietnam War, all the protesting and... And all of a sudden, it was such a wake-up call, and especially since I was a mother and I was looking at my child and thinking, what is the future? You know, and so that really got me activated. And I think, I think it's important that people, that especially women, understand that we have been oppressed for hundreds and hundreds of years, and we need to stand up. And, and you, know, you know, you think one of the things that I say, you know, I love the men that want to join us. I love the men that have that consciousness. And there are many men out there who are not inclined to to be, you know, dominating or to be, uh, you know, to be whatever way that to be on that destructive level. But at the same time, I still see women out there who who don't have their identity and are not standing up. So I think it's very important. It is, but it, and I don't want to misrepresent witchcraft because actually. 
men can be involved and are involved in, in various sects of, of witchcraft. So um, it's not, uh, we don't exclude men, but some traditions are, are really focused on women and female empowerment. Well, it was interesting because Ken was also involved with the Wiccans, and that's how I found out a lot about it. I, I, yeah. I didn't even know they existed until he came into my life. I mean, and, and one of the things, that, that's another thing why I thought how, doing Halloween was so important is because when we don't know, we do it differently. You know, we think it's just costumes. The costumes have no meaning. The pumpkins have no meaning. But there's some deep meaning. So let, let's talk about so one of the fa- – there's some fascinating rituals. You know, we dress in costumes. We cut up popcorn, uh, pumpkins. Uh, we just did a whole family thing where everybody carved a pumpkin. I mean, I actually saw a pumpkin that cost $50. It was so big, and they were putting the babies in it and oh. taking pictures of it. So, you know, we're going to talk about black hats. Mm-hmm. So let's get our our listeners a bit of background and purpose of these rituals you know so you you had you had brought up some things that you you thought were important why don't you why don't you talk about those oh things? yeah well you know a lot of the things that we do for halloween have been derived from um paganism and from uh witchcraft so um there's actual meaning behind them right which we didn't necessarily know so cauldrons for, for one thing you see you know witches gathering around the cauldron or you see in you know fairy tales and things brewing some poisonous usually poisonous potion um but uh, historically they it represents a goddess and her womb the process of transformation, and it, it was used in, and is used um, at times still for um, honoring the water and fire elements, or to hold ritual objects. So, um, yeah, we we have cauldrons; they exist, and and you can put a fire in them too. You know, which is is pretty cool. Um, broomsticks are another one, right? Um, it's their main use has been for clearing away negative energy by going around clockwise in a circle and sweeping the broom around. Oh, my um, God, I didn't know that one. Yeah, yeah, and even the, the it actually represents a, a balance of energy between masculine, which is represented by the handle of the broom, and the feminine, which is represented by the bristles. Um, they... Um, Oh, so here's the deal. This is how they got to be associated with, you know, witches flying around on them. Um, back in the day, back in the Middle Ages, um, witches would create hallucinogenic bombs that they would put on their skins. They called them flying ointments. So when they took effect, they would feel like they were flying, right? Um, so that's how that came about, the witches on a broom. But... Um, it, it, they can also be hung as spiritual protection. So the broom has actual meaning. The pointy hats, not so much. Um, well, it's interesting because I'm, I'm looking at Kaya when I put, she had this beautiful, my daughter, when they went, took uh, the older one to Disneyland, bought this costume for her. And it, it, I just look at her, she's this little tiny thing in this witch's outfit. I was thinking of, while we're doing the interview, I keep thinking of, here's this little girl, that this is a tradition that they think, oh, she's really cute, but there's a long tradition behind it. And I had no idea about the broom. I love that, the handle. <laughs> representing male. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I, I think wonder where that came from. <laughs> I think that's really interesting. So go ahead. Anything else that you'd like to Well, you know, about? we all know about costumes, and, and I know that um, 
were most of us aware that um, they were to scare off evil spirits yeah, it or says right supposed. It says, yeah. Costume, the tradition of wearing costumes in Halloween has its roots in the belief that disguising oneself as a ghost or a monster would protect against evil spirits. Today it has evolved into a fun and creative where most people, you know, but it was a protection back then that they were they would yeah. kind of set up. What, what other things do you have to share? Well, and then there's the costume parties. You actually evolved out of a European Christian belief that once a year on Halloween, when the veil is thin and the spirits roam the earth, that um, the dead in the churchyards rise for a wild, hideous carnival known, and I, I don't speak French, the dance macabre, I guess you would say. And then they would enact those as pageants in the villages. So we think maybe, you know, our Halloween uh, costume parties derived from from that belief way back when. Well, I think it's so interesting. And then when you look at the pumpkin, I want to read about the pumpkins. The tradition of carving pumpkins into jack-o'-lanterns comes from the Irish practicing of carving faces into turnips or potatoes to ward off evil spirits. So it sounds like Halloween and that whole, and we're going to, mm-hmm. on the second half of the net, when after we take our musical break, we're going to talk about the religious aspect, how Halloween was taken over on so many levels, and because it was basically a pagan holiday that moved into a Christian holiday. Yeah. And they, I mean, it's, it's, that's the most interesting thing about it. And then the pumpkins, uh, pumpkins are used because they are more readily available. It was easier available at that time, and they were easier to carve. Ken put a third eye on his car, on his pumpkin. It was, uh-huh. it was, and my my granddaughter. I mean, my God, Satori, I couldn't believe how excited she was, you know, doing this pumpkin and all the kids. The way it was just amazing. I wonder. I've never tried to carve a turnip. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can't quite or, imagine or, that. Well, they have Mr. Potato Man. Remember that was oh, a, yeah. uh, that was a toy for the kids, you know, and maybe that's where it came from, you know, where the Irish with Halloween and the, they yeah. made faces on the potato because nothing is really new. No, you know that's what's so interesting. Yeah. Well, listen, hold your thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked sure. about witches, we talked about pumpkins, and I'm going to list. I'm going to put a whole list on women's spaces of all the different costumes and all the different meanings. But we're going to take a break right now, and I am so excited about this song. You know, it was. Ken decided, Ken was the one that says, Elaine, you got to play Season of the Witch. Well, if I'm going to play Season of the Witch, that was a Donovan uh, uh, song. And actually, when he wrote it, it was a reflection of what he was thinking about, what he was trying to process in his own mind. But it became part of the Halloween situation. And I found a woman singing it by the name of Luna. And I'm really excited about that. So when we're going to go ahead and we're going to play right now, they're talking about Halloween. And this is perfect, a perfect song called The Season of the Witch is sung by Luna. And when I return, I will continue my conversation with Nikki Doan and we will continue talking about Halloween, its rituals and history. Let's go ahead, Ken. Let's play that. to see 
Trick or treat. You know, I, you know something that's really interesting about Halloween. I just realized I didn't look up trick or treat. I wonder what that was all about. But anyway, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces. I'm in conversation with my dear friend Nikki Doran, who calls herself a white witch, and uh, among many other things. And we're talking about Halloween. And this segment, we're going to include some of its uh, oranges, what I really think is really important. Well, do you know anything about trick-or-treat? Did you get, I, I didn't find anything about that. Actually, yes. Um, it seems these, all these things, we just build on one. Well, we're going to have to, we're going to just have to do that. So, Nikki, let's, let's start talking about Halloween. It has a lot of different origins. And one of them is the Celtic origin, you mentioned to me. And the Celtic festival, Sowin, has evolved to celebrate traditions talk about that and how it relates to Halloween. I mean, talk about what was what was so and what was that all about? Well, as you said, it was based on the um, pagan traditions and it, it generally it came at the end of the harvest, at the end of the um, you know, fall and uh, beginning of winter, so it was the perfect time to, it's a turning point the um, uh, Samhain it, it celebrates eight seasonal turnings, you know, the traditional equinox and solstice, but the count, the quarter turnings, which are in between, there's approximately six weeks in between those, Samhain is one of them, and it's considered to be the, the Wiccan uh, New Year, actually, and a wonderful time to start something new, and, and when the veil is thin between the worlds, this is what comes from the Celtic um, Traditions where they um, feel that, that you can receive messages from the other side um, at turning points or at crossroads like these. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because also at that time they did a lot of harvesting. Mm-hmm. You know, and and when you start thinking about it, you start realizing that how 
Right now, we don't have the influences like you're talking about listening because we live in cities. It's very noisy. You know, you have to really, really have to work hard to find a place to meditate. I mean, if you're lucky, you have a nice, quiet place in your home. But you're not out in the fields. I noticed that, Ken, Ken we have a, a beautiful garden in our backyard. And and, and I, I started all of a sudden waiting for the figs to come in so I could can them, you know, waiting for the plums, you know, worried about if the flowers are going to, fall off the tree and we won't get enough plums, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, all the squashes, all the tomatoes. I mean, you know, it, you, 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 it seems like they got more into the earth than we do now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, they're very earth-based. Sour. It's very earth-based and, and celebrates um, nature in all its forms and all living beings. Um, that's central. Right, and it was a community thing. That's what, you know, we don't have that kind of, you know, that we don't live in these type of villages, although one of the things we were thinking about our neighborhood, we were thinking of maybe we would announce to everybody that we're going to have kind of a, a get-together that people bring out some of the things they're growing in their backyards because people are growing a lot all over the, all over the, all over the world, really, and it's wonderful to come together and share. And I think that's what, I think this, that's what it was all about. Well, ever since we became agricultural societies, right, going way back, we were oriented to the changing of the seasons and when we harvested our food and the animals in nature and and uh, um, just those natural things so um, the the Celts definitely recognized them and celebrated them and then you know the church came along and and kind of seemed to appropriate all of that and made them into holy days didn't they well, what they did is I found that the Christian influence was particularly insightful. Although they celebrate Halloween, which is celebrated on October 30th, between that date and November 6th, uh, November 2nd, so there's two days after Halloween, they celebrate All Saints Day, and mm-hmm. then in November 2nd is All Souls Day, and All Souls Day is now Day of the Dead where all the ancestors are remembered. I mean, mm-hmm. we just had downtown in downtown Santa Rosa. They just had a celebration of Day of the Dead. Yeah. So do you want to comment on that? Well, it, they, there's a lot of overlap. There really is a lot of overlap between Samhain, Day of the Dead, and Halloween. There's, I think what distinguishes um, the Samhain celebration and the um, Dia de los Muertos is the reverence and the spiritual elements that those two um, traditions um, encompass. And they're different in a variety of ways, aren't they? The um, Dia de los Muertos is very community-oriented and family-oriented. It's where they honor and respect um, their ancestors and their family members who've passed over, whereas Halloween, we typically like to make it spooky and scary, you know, to to be afraid even. But um, that's not the case when um, you're talking about wanting to commune with nature and and the divine if you know if that's what appeals to people it's not necessarily a part of you know everybody's celebration but it is for many of us well it's a time of harvest and it's a time and it's also the weather's changing it's cold you know mm-hmm. you want to you want to come together more you want to kind of you know I, I i miss that that's why that's why i think it's so important that maybe we have Many neighborhoods have these neighborhood parties where they come out and they bring they bring the food they're they're planting and all the different things they did. But you know what, what's so interesting? 
What's so interesting about all these different traditions, you know, I, you know, and when as I'm reading it and I'm as I'm seeing the changes and as I'm looking at what is Halloween and what is you know trick or treat and all these other different things, I came across a very interesting statement which kind of blew me away. I was amazed when I found this out. There, there when one of the one of the uh, the sheets I had, they had the Celtic tradition. They had the the Roman, they had the you know, and it was the Roman Catholic, and it was it, their tradition that brought in. I, I really believe in order for them to bring Catholicism into Rome, they had to appeal to the pagans. They had to all mm-hmm. work together, and they had to get rid of all the Jews so they could you know they could have this yeah. new religion. But what was so interesting? What I found out, and it was called it, it it was called in this segment was called the immigrant tradition, and I thought immigrant traditions. I mean. We have such an anti-immigrant now. When you start thinking about it, when you think of all the different foods we have and all the different ways of thinking we have in this country that has to do with immigration, this is what I found out. I was amazed when I found out that Halloween, as we know it today in the United States, was heavily influenced by, by Irish and Scottish immigrants. They brought their customs, including the carving of turnips and later pumpkins and various superstitions, and that was became Halloween mm-hmm. here in the United States. So we're coming, it looks like we're coming pretty quickly to the end of the segment. So would you like to, to comment on that in any last words and any way people can get a hold of you? You have a lot of information. I think it'd be wonderful to see you just do like a, a witch's gathering for all of us. But well, go yeah. ahead, Ken, would you have any comment about There are so many things to share. There are a lot of celebrations um, this time of year um, for Samhain actually locally and um so it, it's nice if if people can connect with those that are coming up it's well this past weekend has been a big part of the celebrations hasn't it um and um i don't know i i'm at a loss i think um there's just so much to talk about i don't even know where to begin you know i mean there there are so many i just want to say that um anybody can consider themselves a witch it's you know it's things that we do every day and i i kind of thought in my mind uh leading up to this that maybe it's been called before but i'm thinking we could have everyday witches we're all witches well well let's end it with that thought and as all witches we will hold hands together pardon contact we'll have we'll oh well yes i i don't have a website by design um so i have an email address i could put that out there um it's based on the cycles of the moon which much of the the pagan traditions are it's lunar cycles at fastmail as it sounds f-a-s-t-m-a-i-l dot f is in frank m is in mary so i'd be happy to hear from anybody who wants to know more yeah and we'll have that listed on our website, www.womenspaces.com. So if you want to get a hold of Nikki or have any inclination to have a little witches gathering, we might, you know, we might figure that out. Well, thank you, Nikki Dorn. Thank you for being such a great guest and for joining me in this attempt to explain Halloween and bring you some of the traditions and, and just give us a different feeling of it. Thank so you, thank Elaine. Thank you so much. Well, folks, that's it for our show. A special thank you to my dear friend Nikki for joining me today and talking about Halloween. I hope you all enjoyed the show and learning some of the history about Halloween. Any feedback, please email me at elainebholtz at gmail.com. Remember our children of the future, and it is important to get involved. The very least we can do is register to vote and vote. 
Well, this has been a wonderful show. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I look to being with you the next time. She's patient and she's waiting and she'll take you home now. The woman in your life, she can The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, October 30th, 2023.